Turn your Bibles to John's Gospel again, the 12th chapter. It's on page 1065 in the blue Bible in front of you. I want you to, to stop and to pray just before we read God's Word, before we start the sermon this morning. I'm going to just tell you right up front, this is not a complex sermon. It's not real deep and profound. But it is significant. And my fear is that you're going to get it this morning, but you're not going to get it at the depth that you should. And it ought to touch us in a, in a much deeper way. This is one of those sermons where like, yeah, I see that, I get it. But let's pray that God helps us to get it at a much, much deeper level this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we want to take time just before we turn into your word and to read what you have to say, and as we hear it expounded and presented to us, God, I pray that you would help us to get it at the deepest level, into the recesses of our hearts. So we'll do more than just walk out of here saying, okay, that was a good sermon, I I needed to hear that. But God, we would leave here changed because your word will accomplish what you set out to do with it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. John says, six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and she wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth about a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, Judas used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus, putting their faith in him. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Blessed are those who hear it. And obey it. We are continuing this morning to try to see Jesus with a fresh set of eyes. To see him in ways that we may not have seen before, but also to compare 
what we believe about Jesus to what the Bible actually teaches about Jesus. Because many people today claim that they know Christ, that they know Jesus, but what they say about him doesn't match what the Word of God teaches us. So we want to make sure that what we believe lines up with who Jesus really was. Let's walk through this story, granted a much shorter story than the ones we've been looking at lately, but let's walk through it again. John tells us that this story happened six days before the Passover. That is significant because this was not just any Passover. This was going to be the Passover where Jesus is killed. So we are less than a week away from Jesus' death. There isn't much to this story. There's actually four parts. Actually, the first part, if you will, is just John telling us the setting where this event took place. And then there are three movements. There are three things that happen in the story. First, Mary comes and anoints Jesus' feet with this perfume. Then, Judas reacts to that and says, that shouldn't have happened. She shouldn't have done that. That was a waste. The, something better could have been done with that money. Then the third thing we see in the story is Jesus' response to Judas' response. Jesus reacts to him. This gift, this act of Mary, was where she took some expensive perfume. Very expensive perfume. If you know anything about perfume, even today, you know it's not cheap. I bought some perfume, not for me. I don't wear perfume. I stopped that a long time ago. <laughs> perfume can be very expensive, but I've never, I've never even seen perfume this expensive. Have you? It cost a year's worth of wages. What the average man would make in one year. That's huge. This gift given by Mary was shocking. And it was intended to be so. That was Mary's purpose. And as you read through this story, the way that John recounts it for us, it's obvious he wants us to see the contrast between Mary and what she did and Judas, what he said. Now, you don't even have to look at the story closely to know right off the bat we're supposed to be like Mary and not like Judas. Okay? That's not even a spoiler alert there. You don't even have to think that hard to realize we are to be like Mary and not be like Judas. That's obvious. But why? Why is Mary right and Judas wrong. That's what we want to look at this morning. Because you see, there's an ugly side to this story. It's a beautiful picture of what Mary has done for Jesus. But there's an ugly side to what we see here. This event takes place after the religious leaders have decided They've got to kill Jesus. We've got to get rid of this guy. He's just causing too much trouble 
for us. So they make a conscious decision that they're going to kill Jesus. Because honestly, think about it. This is what they said. It would be better for one man to die so that we can keep our position. So that we can keep Rome happy. They do not see value in Jesus. They see value in doing away with Jesus. They see value in their way politically. Jesus was getting involved in interfering with that. But then we see Judas in the middle of this story who's lusting after the money that slips through his fingers. John tells us that Judas was dipping into the common bag the money that Jesus and the disciples lived from. They lived out of a common purse. Nothing in Scripture ever tells us when or how the disciples came to figure out that Judas was doing that. But by the time John writes this gospel, the gig is up, Judas is exposed as a thief. Mary comes out, she breaks open this this container, and she spills this perfume out on Jesus, and everyone knows how expensive it is. And you can just see Judas there. Oh, man. And he says, if we had sold that, oh, 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 we could have done so much for poor people. Now, mind you, he didn't care about the poor. He wasn't thinking about the poor. He was thinking about how this could benefit him. Boy, if she had just donated that to the cause of Christ, we could have sold it, put the money in the common purse, and he could have lived high on the hog for a while. Was Mary's gift wasteful? That's what Judas proposes. That was a waste. From his perspective, you bet it was. Because anything that would benefit me is a plus. Anything that's spent on God is a waste. Do you ever stop and wonder when you read this story? Why it's any of Judas' business how Mary uses her perfume? I find that interesting that Judas even says, you know what, she should have done it. But then I'm reminded of us today. How many of us feel like we have to weigh in on what everybody else is doing? Well, I don't think that was right. Or we jump in with, I think that was right. I want to look at people and say, who asked? It wasn't your perfume. But he felt it was his place to publicly object to what she was doing. But what we see when we look at the religious leaders and their decision to kill Jesus and Judas' desire to steal this money... We see the dark background that makes the action of Mary stand out that much more. Because her act 
act shines brightly against the dark background of the sin of these men. Did you notice something that John tells us in his introduction? In verse 2, John tells us not just that they were at a dinner. Did you see this? It was a dinner in honor of Jesus. And Judas is there. Evidently, Judas thought it was okay to honor Jesus with a dinner. But what Mary did was she went too far. Jesus is worth a dinner, but not much more. Now, as we look at this story, though, what do we see about Jesus? What do we learn about him? We've been seeing more and more about Jesus each week. We've seen what Jesus can do in terms of his miracles and healing people. But the question remains for us today. Do we see value in Jesus? We see the religious leaders didn't value Jesus. They saw value in doing away with him. Judas didn't value Jesus. Judas valued what he could get from Jesus. But what about us today? Do we see value in Christ? Judas walked with Jesus. He saw the miracles firsthand. He had a front row seat at most of these miracles. He heard the teachings of Jesus. But he didn't see value in Jesus. I was studying this passage this weekend. I came across an interesting observation that I had never seen before. We know that Jesus was sold by Judas. He was sold out for, by Judas for 30 pieces of silver. That raised the question. We've already looked up the price of this perfume. Well, what's that 30 pieces of silver worth? Well, in today's money, it would be about four months' wages for the average person. Mary gives this perfume, which is worth about a year's worth of wages. Judas sells out Jesus for a third of that. I thought that was an interesting contrast, don't you? Judas sells Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver, and he loses his soul. We have a, a saying, you don't appreciate what you got until it's gone. We say that all the time. We don't appreciate something till we lose it. And that very often is the case. We don't appreciate what we have until it's gone. But it doesn't have to be that case. It doesn't have to be the way it is. We can appreciate what we have before we lose it. You see, it's one thing to sing the song like we did this morning, Lord, you are more precious than silver. It's another thing to live out that value. 
You see, for Mary, the dinner wasn't enough. Martha, her sister's in the kitchen cooking away. Great thing to do. But Mary said, mm, not enough. Dinner is good, but I want to do something more. So she lets her hair down, not figuratively, literally. She pours out this perfume, and then she uses her hair to dry his feet. Jewish women did not let their hair down. It was, it was wrong. It's against their custom for a woman to ever let anyone see her hair except her husband. Mary gives this extravagant gift, and then she humbles herself by wiping Jesus' feet with her hair, something that's not done. Something that would be frowned upon, we see it was. But you know what Mary said? I don't care. I don't care what people think. You know why? Because this is a woman whose brother was dead. Remember? And now he's alive. This whole dinner in honor of Jesus is because they appreciate Jesus brought Lazarus back from the dead. Mary could see Jesus with the eye of gratitude because of what he'd done. She saw Jesus with the right perspective. For Mary, Jesus was worth more than money. Her brother had been given back to her. He was dead. Dead, dead, remember? Four days dead. They were already writing the thank you cards for the condolences when Jesus resurrected. She saw Jesus with the right perspective. And here's the question. When your brother is dead and he's brought back to life, What's an appropriate gift? Dinner? Well, yeah, that's a given. But people, honestly, come on, we'll do dinner for somebody when it's their birthday. Right? What did you do so significant? You turned a year older. Right? We'll honor you with a dinner for just getting older. Mary steps back and says, that ain't right. This guy raised my brother from the dead. Dinner's not enough. Dinner's good, but I want to do more. What is an appropriate gift for someone who raised your brother from the dead? As you read through John's Gospel, though, you can see the march toward the trial and conviction of Jesus. And John is editorializing through the book, and he's telling us, behind the scenes, they want Jesus dead. 
So when Jesus is finally arrested, we're not surprised. Because John has been giving us clues all along. You understand this was not a secret. They hated Jesus. They put the word out on the street that they were looking for somebody who would sell Jesus out. What? You don't think Mary, Martha, and Lazarus had heard those reports? That they were gunning for Jesus and they wanted him dead? Really? You don't think they knew that? Of course they did. And so here's Mary honoring Jesus and she said, this guy may be dead in a short amount of time. She could see. She knew the clock was ticking. And she could see that Jesus is worthy of worship. We sang that this morning, but I'm not sure we get it. Mary got it. Jesus is worthy of worship. How worthy? Scholars tell us that given the value of this perfume, a year's wages, this was probably the most expensive thing that Mary owned. Very possibly, it was a family heirloom that had been passed down. How worthy of worship was Jesus? Worthy enough that Mary says, I'm going to give him the best thing I have. Sometimes love is best expressed in spontaneous and extravagant ways. Amen. And when you have received extravagant gifts that make you think, oh, this is too much. You're starting to get what I'm talking about. Mary was like, no, no, no. It's not too much. Because of how much I love Jesus, because of how much I am devoted to him for what he's done for me, she said, it's worth it. What's our takeaway, though? What do we get from this story? We see a wonderful act. We see a selfish act in Judas. What's our takeaway today? Well, first of all, when we're in a love relationship, we enjoy doing something very special for the other person because we want them to feel special. We're happy when they feel special. That's why we do it. I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for you because I want you to know how special you are to me. But you understand, we live in a culture that devalues people. We devalue our relationships. We move in and out of relationships. We treat people like they're disposable. But we understand that in a, in a serious relationship, it doesn't have to be man and woman. It can be parent-child. It can be brother-sister. In our significant relationships, we want that other person to know how special he is to us. Do you understand? That's what worship is 
When we come into the presence of God on Sundays, we're telling God how special we think He is. When we take time to come into worship on a holiday weekend, no less. I was giving Brian a hard time when he came in this morning. I said, man, I said, you're going to have a hard time for, you know, convincing people you're a dirty dog when you come to church on a holiday weekend. But why did you come to church on Sunday morning of Labor Day weekend? Because you thought God was worth it. And you wanted God to know that you think He's worth it. Amen? Nothing complex about that. When we worship Jesus, we're letting Him know how special we think He is. But, you knew there was a but coming. We are guilty of taking our relationship with Jesus for granted. You know what I'm talking about? Where we don't show Jesus how much we love Him. Where we don't show Jesus how important He is to us. We take our relationship with Jesus for granted. Oh, oh, but Jesus knows how I feel about Him. Well, of course He does. He's God. That's not the point. Is that good enough for you to just say, well, God knows my heart. I don't do anything to show him how important he is to me. I don't do anything to show him how special he is to me. He just knows my heart. Is that good enough for you? Because I have to believe, from what we read in Scripture, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and Jesus had a very close relationship. Most people believe that these were the closest friends that Jesus had outside of his posse of 12 apostles. Are you with me? Jesus, the last week of his life, was going out to their home every night to spend the night with them. These were his closest friends. You have to know that they had expressed their love for each other before this. Remember when they sent for Jesus? To backtrack just a little bit, when they sent for Jesus, when Lazarus was sick, the one you love is sick. You better get back here. They were appealing to Jesus on a love relationship that they knew they had. You're like, what's the point? The point is, they were in this love relationship and they all knew it. But Mary said, not good enough. Yes, Jesus knows I love him, but I want to show him how much I love him. See, if I were to ask you the question today, do you think God is worth it? Not a person here today, no, I don't think God's worth it, to be honest. Dinner, maybe. Expensive perfume, I don't know about that. You see, every one of us here today believes that God is worth it. We'll say it. Just ask us. Oh, yes, yes, God is worth it. God's worth everything to me. But with our actions, not our words, with our actions, we're saying God's not worth that much. And that's where this story takes an ugly turn. Because, hey, if all I have to do is do the checkbox thing, are you like Mary or are you like Judas? Mary. 
We know the right answer if we're asked the question. But with our lives, we're also answering that question of, is God worth it? And with our lives, we're answering that the wrong way. Because you see, God is worth more than our words. With our words, we tell God we love Him. With our mouths, we tell God how significant He is to us. But with our actions, we say something different. And folks, there's an expression we have for that. Remember what it's called? What it is? Actions speak louder than words. Mary had given Jesus the words, I love you. Martha was in the kitchen cooking dinner. She was showing Jesus how much he meant. Mary looks at that situation and she says, not good enough. I want to show Jesus. I want to be over the top in showing him how much he means to me. You see, when we come in here to worship, we are to be reminded of how important God is to us. To be reminded of who God is and what God has done. Why do we need to be reminded of that? Because we forget. Just like in our human relationships here on earth, we often take the people closest to us for granted. We forget how important they are to us. But notice the danger. Notice the danger here. Worship reminds us of how important God is to us. But when we stay away from worship, we stay away because we forget how important God is to us. Stick with me. When we start drifting away from worship because we forget how important God is to us, we are not being in worship where we're reminded of how important God is to us. You see the vicious cycle. You forget how God is important and then you stop going to the place where you're reminded how important God is to us. It's a vicious cycle that we want to avoid. Because our relationship with God will begin to suffer more and more as God gets pushed further and further down our priority list because we forget how important He's supposed to be in our daily lives. Let's take a little sidetrack while we're here, though. I love Judas, the way he handles this. He doesn't just come out and say, Man, I wish I could have that money. He puts up this smoke screen of the poor. Did you see that? Oh, oh, oh. Think of all the poor orphans who could be fed if we just saw. He wasn't thinking about orphans. He wasn't thinking about poor people. He was using them as a front. But we see today a couple of problems. There are people in the church who will give to the poor. When we do a drive, McCrest, we're going to start a new one next week. We're going to start collecting clothes for orphans in Russia. There are people in the church who will give to the poor, but they won't give to support the ministry of the church. 
Because the poor tug at our hearts. But look at the wicked politicians today, and I use that word advisedly. Look at the wicked politicians we see today who use the poor as a way to push some social program. Do I need to tell you they don't care about the poor? They're only using that as motivation to push through some social program that they want. Next time you see a politician stand up and tell us how much he cares about the poor, turn the volume down on the TV and go Google that politician and see how much money he gives to the poor himself. And what we know statistically is that politicians give disgustingly low amounts of money. They make millions and millions of dollars a year and they give less to social programs than you and I give. Don't ever listen to a politician who tells you that you ought to give to help the poor when they're not doing it. Because all they're trying to do is take government money to feed the poor when they won't use their own money to feed the poor. They're just like Judas. Using the poor for their agenda. But when we look at Judas, we're aghast. Oh, that's just awful that he didn't want Jesus to receive this gift. We don't like what we see in Judas, but when we compare ourselves to Mary and Judas, you know what? We come up looking like Judas more than we look like Mary. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, I get it. We don't see ourselves as being more like Judas, but honestly... How is there much difference? We say that we agree with Mary, but then we act like Judas. We say we don't agree with Judas, but then we don't act like Mary. We hold on to our money so tightly that we never express to God how much He means to us with anything significant other than just words. Something else we see in this story. It's the lesson of timeliness. Jesus says in defense of Mary, she gets it. She's anointing me for burial. She puts so much perfume on Jesus. Scholars tell us that Jesus probably still smelled like that perfume when he was crucified six days later. Remember what happened when Jesus was crucified? They had to get him off the cross and get him into the tomb quickly because it was the Sabbath day. And the reason the women came to the tomb on Sunday morning was because he hadn't been properly prepared for burial. They didn't put the spices on his body. That means Jesus wasn't just crucified with the smell of this perfume on him. He was buried that way. Because when they came on Sunday morning to put the spices on him, he was already resurrected. What Mary did here was hugely significant because she was preparing him for burial. And she did it in a timely way because she understood 
Time is of the essence. Jesus may not be here much longer. How many of us are guilty in our lives of taking our relationship with God for granted that, oh, I'll get around to doing it. I'll show God how much He means to me sometime down the road. But I'm busy right now. We're so caught up with the here and now that we forget to take time for Jesus. To make time for Him. We're here so we just as well do it, people. The lesson that we learned today is also about the size of the gift. There's no way around that. Yeah, 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 we'll say, it's not the size of the gift that matters, it's the thought that counts. Never spoken by somebody who's given a big gift. Amen? Size is important when it comes to the gift. Guys, go buy her a $15 engagement ring and tell her that you knew that the size of the gift didn't matter. It's the thought that counts. And she's going to look at you and say, oh, I know what you were thinking. Cheapskate. The size of the gift speaks volumes, doesn't it? The size of the gift matters. Because when we give a great deal, when we give a big big gift, it says something. Now listen to me carefully. I am not diminishing the value of our gifts that we give every week, week after week in the offering. I'm not diminishing that. Those are important. But hear me. There's something to be said about digging deep and giving God a big one-time gift. I want God to know how important He is to me. Not that what I'm giving every week is insignificant, but there are just times when you say, I want to do something big. For our loved ones, we'll buy them a car sometimes. What's the biggest gift that you've ever given to God all at once? Put a dollar amount on it. What's the most you've ever given to God in one single giving? You see, what Mary does here, we're told John gives us a beautiful picture. He says that she broke open this this container and the fragrance filled the house. How could it not? Stick with me. Everybody that walked into that house would be overwhelmed with the smell of this perfume. Her love was so obvious, everybody knew it. Our lives should be lived in such a way that people can smell our love of Christ wherever we go. One of my favorite songs of all time is a song about this story. And the idea is, is that we are to be broken out, broken and spilled out on Jesus. Our lives are to be the perfume that we give to Christ. Stick with me, people. What's the most significant thing you own? Are none. You. What is worth more than anything else that you have? 
And we honor God when we don't just give him 15 or 20 dollars of an offering plate. We honor God by giving him the thing that is worth the most. Ourselves. Mary didn't just open this up, dab a couple of places and put the lid back on it. When she cracked that open, it was done. There was no way, because the way they made their containers, they didn't have tops on them. You cracked it open, it was that was it. And she knew when she did it, it was all or none. And in Mary's mind, Jesus was worth it all. In Mark's gospel and Matthew's gospel, they both tell this story. And in both of them, Jesus adds one thing that John doesn't say. Jesus says of Mary, she's done a beautiful thing. For the rest of Mary's life, she had those words that she could hear. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, saying, she has done a beautiful thing. What a wonderful challenge for us to give to God something that is so significant that God sits up and takes notice. Wow, I like that. That wasn't just words. That wasn't just pizza money. This was significant. Judas represents those people who hang on to Jesus for what they can get. And it's disgusting today, folks, the way preachers are now pushing people to come to church for what you can get from Jesus. You know what you can get from Jesus? Eternal life. Yeah, but you can get money too. Ooh. Right? No. Jesus has already blessed us with eternal life, and it cost him his life. I can hear Mary. Want to do dinner for him? That dinner's not enough. I want to do something even bigger. And that's the challenge for you today. Do you really get how much Jesus has done for you? How much value we find in Jesus? Then show it. Show it with your life. I'm going to give you one, one illustration. And we're close. And I mean it this time. I'm not going to lie. There are times in our life when we will buy that significant person in our life a big gift. We'll get a tax return back. We'll get some inheritance money. Something big. We'll get some serious coin. And we'll buy something big for that significant person in our life. Come on. If you're going to do it, you got to do it right. you got to make sure everybody knows you've done it. Right? Do it tomorrow. Right? Show them what I bought you. You want everybody to see not just what you've done, but that you did it. This person means so much to me. This is what I wanted to do. What would happen if we were to live that way? If people in our lives could see us 
giving a significant gift. What'd you do with that bonus check you just got? You know what? I gave it to Jesus because he means so much to me. What if that fragrance from our lives were to spill out to the people around us and they were to see that we don't just honor God with our words, we honor Him with significant acts of giving. Of ourself, financially, of service, everything. Because I think He's worth it. Do you? Let's pray.